Hey there, it's Adam here. Welcome to Sound Sleep. Have you checked out the Sound Sleep Premium Feed yet? Well, allow me to tell you about it. Each episode is ad-free and is released a couple days early. There are also bonus episodes. And for less than $1 a week, you can get all that. Plus, you get to support this podcast. So, you can either subscribe and listen directly in Apple Podcasts, or if you listen with another app, then you can subscribe with Supercast, which is super simple because with just two taps, you can be listening in your favorite podcast player. Head to soundsleeppodcast.com or look in the show notes for more information. And thanks so much for the support. I really hope you enjoy this next story. If you'd like to tell me what you think, feel free to let me know with a review and a rating. Or send me a message on Instagram or in the Facebook group. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. Did you know, music triggers the release of dopamine, a hormone released during pleasurable activities like eating, exercise, and sex. This release can boost good feelings at bedtime and address pain, another common cause of sleep issues. Physical and psychological responses to music are effective in reducing both acute and chronic physical pain. The music in this episode was made specifically for us, using methods to promote deep sleep. I hope you enjoy listening.
This episode is sponsored by Coach Me Greg. If you're like me, you have a lot of big ideas and plans. You want to be productive and get fulfillment out of your life. And if you're like me, you may feel like sometimes you need a little help to be your best, to keep you on target and motivated so you can achieve what you set out to do. So if you're like me, well, then you should go to coachmegreg.com. I've received tremendous value from working with Greg. He's easy to talk with and there's no judgment. I can count on him to help me find the best solution and schedule. He makes everything very easy and I find it very helpful to have someone I can trust working with me and rooting for me as I try to get the most out of life that I can. Go to coachmegreg.com. Schedule your free consultation today. Let's settle in and prepare for a nice night's rest. Take a slow, deep breath in. Let it out. Allow your body to sink into your bed, feeling the contact with your sheets and mattress. Relax your muscles and feel the warmth of the bed. shooting match 
And during that time, Robin followed one part of the advice of Sir Robert Lee, that of being less bold in his comings and his goings. For though mayhap he may not have been more honest, as most folks regard honesty, he took good care not to travel so far from Sherwood that he could not reach it both easily and quickly. Great changes had fallen in this time, for King Henry had died and King Richard had come to the crown that fitted him so well through many hard trials and through adventures as stirring as any that ever befell Robin Hood. But though great changes came, they did not reach to Sherwood's shades, for there Robin Hood and his men dwelled as merrily as they had ever done, with hunting and feasting and singing and blithe woodland sports, for it was little the outside striving of the world troubled them. The dawning of a summer's day was fresh and bright, and the birds sang sweetly in a great tumult of sound. So loud was their singing that it awakened Robin Hood where he lay sleeping, so that he stirred and turned and rose. Up rose Little John also, and all the merry men. Then, after they had broken their fast, they set forth hither and thither upon the doings of the day. Robin Hood and Little John walked down a forest path where all around the leaves danced and twinkled as the breeze trembled through them, and the sunlight came flickering down. Quoth Robin Hood, I make my vow, Little John, my blood tickles my veins as it flows through them this gay morn. What sayest thou to our seeking adventures, each one upon his own account? With all my heart, said Little John, we have had more than one pleasant doing in that way, good master. Here are two paths. Take thou the one to the right hand, and I will take the one to the left. And then let us each walk straight ahead till he tumble into some merry doing or other. I like thy plan, quoth Robin. Therefore we will part here. But look thee, little John. Keep thyself out of mischief, for I would not have ill befall thee for all the world. Mary, come up, quoth Little John. 
how thou talkest. Methinks thou art wont to get thyself into tighter coils than I am like to do. At this Robin Hood laughed. Why, in sooth, little John, said he, thou hast a blundering hard-headed way that seemeth to bring thee right side uppermost in all thy troubles. But let us see who cometh out best this day. So saying, he clapped his palm to little John's, and each departed upon his way, the trees quickly shutting the one from the other's sight. Robin Hood strolled onward till he came to where a broad woodland road stretched before him. Overhead, the branches of the trees laced together in flickering foliage, all golden where it grew thin to the sunlight. Beneath his feet, the ground was soft and moist from the sheltering shade. Here, in this pleasant spot, the sharpest adventure that ever befell Robin Hood came upon him. For as he walked down the woodland path, thinking of naught but the songs of the birds, he came of a sudden to where a man was seated upon the mossy roots beneath the shade of a broad spreading oak tree. Robin Hood saw that the stranger had not caught sight of him. So he stopped and stood quite still, looking at the other a long time before he came forward. And the stranger was well worth looking at, for never had Robin seen a figure like that sitting beneath the tree. From his head to his feet, he was clad in a horse's hide, dressed with the hair upon it. Upon his head was a cowl that hid his face from sight, and which was made of the horse's skin. The ears whereof stuck up like those of a rabbit. His body was clad in a jacket made of the hide, and his legs were covered with the hairy skin likewise. By his side was a heavy, broad sword and a sharp, double-edged dagger, a quiver of smooth, round arrows hung across his shoulders, and his stout bow of yew leaned against the tree beside him. Halloa, friend, cried Robin, coming forward at last. How art thou that sittest there? And what is that thou hast upon thy body? I make my vow, I have never seen such a sight in all my life before. Had I done an evil thing, or did my conscience trouble me? I would be afraid of thee, thinking that thou wast someone from down below bringing a message 
bidding me come straightway to King Nicholas. To this speech, the other answered not a word, but he pushed the cowl back from his head and showed a knit brow, a hooked nose, and a pair of fierce, restless black eyes, which all together made Robin think of a hawk as he looked on his face. But beside this, there was something about the lines on the stranger's face, and his thin, cruel mouth, and the hard glare of his eyes that made one's flesh creep to look upon. Who art thou, rascal? said he at last in a loud, harsh voice. Tut, tut, quoth Mary Robin. Speak not so sourly, brother. Hast thou fed upon vinegar and nettles this morning that thy speech is so stinging? And thou likest not my words, said the other fiercely. Thou hadst best be jogging, for I tell thee plainly, thy deeds match them. Nay, but I do like thy words, thou sweet, pretty thing, quoth Robin, squatting down upon the grass in front of the other. Moreover, I tell thee, thy speech is witty and gamesome, as any I ever heard in all my life. The other said not a word, but he glared upon Robin with a wicked and baleful look, such as a fierce dog bestows upon a man ere it springs at his throat. Robin returned the gaze with one of wide-eyed innocence, not a shadow of a smile twinkling in his eyes or twitching at the corners of his mouth. So they sat staring at one another for a long time, until the stranger broke the silence suddenly. What is thy name, fellow? said he. Now, quoth Robin, I am right glad to hear thee speak, for I begin to fear the sight of me had stricken thee dumb. As for my name, it may be this or it may be that, but methinks it is more meet for thee to tell me thine, seeing that thou art the greater stranger in these parts. Prithee, tell me, sweet Chuck, why wearest thou that dainty garb upon thy pretty body? At these words, the other broke into a short, harsh roar of laughter. By the bounds of the daemon Odin, said he, thou art the boldest spoken man that ever I have seen in all my life. I know not why I do not smite thee down where thou sittest, for only two days ago I skewered a man over back of Nottingham town for saying not half so much to me as thou hast done. 
I wear this garb, thou fool, to keep my body warm. Likewise, it is near as good as a coat of steel against a common sword thrust. As for my name, I care not who know it. It is Guy of Gisborne, and thou mayest have heard it before. I come from the woodlands over in Herefordshire, upon the lands of the bishop of that ilk. I am an outlaw, and I get my living by hook and a crook in a manner it boots not now to tell of. Not long since the bishop sent for me, I said that if it would do a certain thing that the sheriff of Nottingham would ask of me, he would get me a free pardon and give me ten score pounds to boot. So straight away I came to Nottingham Town and found my sweet sheriff. And what thinkest thou he wanted of me? Why, forsooth, to come here to Sherwood to hunt up one Robin Hood, also an outlaw, and to take him alive or dead. It seemeth that they have no one here to face that bold fellow, and so sent all the way to Herefordshire and to me, for thou knowest the old saying, Set a thief to catch a thief. As for the slaying of this fellow, it galleth me not a whit, for I would shed the blood of my own brother for the half of two hundred pounds. To all this Robin listened, and as he listened, his gorge rose. Well, he knew of this guy of Gisborne, and of all the bloody and murderous deeds that he had done in Herefordshire, for his doings were famous throughout all the land. Yet, although he loathed the very presence of the man, he held his peace, for he had an end to serve. Truly, quoth he, I have heard of thy gentle doings. Methinks there is no one in all the world that Robin Hood would rather meet than thee. At this, Guy of Gisborne gave another harsh laugh. Why, quoth he, it is a merry thing to think of one stout outlaw like Robin Hood meeting another stout outlaw like Guy of Gisborne. Only in this case it will be an ill happening for Robin Hood. For the day he meets Guy of Gisborne, he shall die. But thou gentle merry spirit, quoth Robin, dost thou not think that mayhap this same Robin Hood may be the better man of the two? I know him right well, and many think that he is one of the stoutest men 
hereabouts. He may be the stoutest of men hereabouts, quoth Guy of Gisborne. Yet, I tell thee, fellow, this sty of yours is not the wide world. I lay my life upon it. I am the better man of the two. He an outlaw forsooth. Why, I hear that he hath never let blood in all his life, saving when he first came to the forest. Some call him a great archer, Mary. I would not be afraid to stand against him all the days of the year with a bow in my hand. Why, truly, some folk do call him a great archer, said Robin Hood. But we of Nottinghamshire are famous hands with a longbow. Even I, though but a simple hand at the craft, would not fear to try about with thee. At these words, Guy of Gisborne looked upon Robin with wondering eyes, and then gave another roar of laughter till the woods rang. Now, quoth he, thou art a bold fellow to talk to me in this way. I like thy spirit in so speaking up to me, for few men have dared to do so. Put up a garland, lad, and I will try a bout with thee. Tut, tut, quoth Robin. Only babes shoot at garlands hereabouts. I will put up a good Nottingham mark for thee. So saying, he rose, and going to a hazel thicket not far off, he cut a wand about twice the thickness of a man's thumb. From this he peeled the bark, and sharpening the point, stuck it up in the ground in front of a great oak tree. Thence he measured off four score paces, which brought him beside the tree where the other sat. There, quoth he, is the kind of mark that Nottingham Yeomen shoot at. Now let me see thee split that wand, if thou art an archer. Then, Guy of Gisborne arose. Now up upon it, cried he. The devil himself could not hit such a mark as that. Mayhap he could, and mayhap he could not, quoth Mary Robin. But that we shall never know till thou hast shot thine. At these words, Guy of Gisborne looked upon Robin with knit brows. But as the yeoman still looked innocent of any ill meaning, he bottled his words and strung his bow in silence. Twice he shot, but neither time did he hit the wand, missing it the first time. 
by a span, and the second time by a good palm's breadth. Robin laughed and laughed. I see now, quoth he, that the devil himself could not hit that mark. Good fellow, if thou art no better with the broad sword than thou art with the bow and arrow, thou wilt never overcome Robin Hood. At these words, Guy of Gisborne glared savagely upon Robin. Quoth he, Thou hast a merry tongue, thou villain, but take care that thou makest not too free with it, or I may cut it out from thy throat for thee. Robin Hood strung his bow and took his place with never a word. Albeit his heartstrings quivered with anger and loathing. Twice he shot, the first time hitting within an inch of the wand, the second time splitting it fairly in the middle. Then, without giving the other a chance for speech, he flung his bow upon the ground. There, thou bloody villain, cried he fiercely. Let that show thee how little thou knowest of manly sports. And now look thy last upon the daylight, for the good earth hath been befouled long enough by thee, thou vile beast. This day, our lady willing, thou diest. I am Robin Hood. So saying, he flashed forth his bright sword in the sunlight. For a time, Guy of Gisborne stared upon Robin, as though bereft of wits. But his wonder quickly passed to a wild rage. Art thou indeed Robin Hood? cried he. Now I'm glad to meet thee, Thou poor wretch, shrive thyself, for thou wilt have no time for shriving when I am done with thee. So saying, he also drew his sword. And now came the fiercest fight that ever Sherwood saw. For each man knew that either he or the other must die and that no mercy was to be had in this battle. Up and down they fought, till all the sweet green grass was crushed, and ground beneath the trampling of their heels. More than once the point of Robin Hood's sword felt the softness of flesh, and presently the ground began to be sprinkled with bright red drops, albeit not one of them came from Robin's veins. At last, Guy of Gisborne made a fierce and deadly thrust at Robin Hood, from which he leapt back lightly. But in so leaping, he caught his heel in a root 
and fell heavily upon his back. Now, Holy Mary, aid me, muttered he as the other leaped at him with a grin of rage upon his face. Fiercely, Guy of Gisborne stabbed at the other with his great sword, but Robin caught the blade in his naked hand, and though it cut his palm, he turned the point away so that it plunged deep into the ground, close beside him. Then, ere a blow could be struck again, he leaped to his feet with his good sword in his hand. And now despair fell upon Guy of Gisborne's heart in a black cloud. And he looked around him wildly, like a wounded hawk. Seeing that his strength was going from him, Robin leaped forward and quick as a flash, struck a backhanded blow beneath the sword arm. Down fell the sword from Guy of Gisborne's grasp, and back he staggered at the stroke, and ere he could regain himself. Robin's sword passed through and through his body. Round he spun upon his heel, and flinging his hands aloft with a shrill, wild cry, fell prone upon his face upon the green sod. Then Robin Hood wiped his sword and thrust it back into the scabbard, and coming to where Guy of Gisborne lay, he stood over him with folded arms, talking to himself the while. This is the first man I have slain since I shot the king's forester in the hot days of my youth. I oft times think bitterly, even yet, of that first life I took. But of this, I am as glad as though I had slain a wild boar and laid waste a fair country. Since the sheriff of Nottingham hath sent such a one as this against me, I will put on the fellow's garb and go forth to see whether I may not find his worship and perchance pay him back some of the debt I owe him upon this score. So saying, Robin Hood stripped the hairy garments off the dead man and put them on himself, all bloody as they were. Then, strapping the other's sword and dagger around his body and carrying his own in his hand, together with the two bows of yew, he drew the cowl of horse's hide over his face, so that none could tell who he was, and set forth from the forest, turning his steps toward the eastward and Nottingham town. As he strode along the country roads, men, women, and children hid away from him. For the terror of Guy Gisborne's name and of his doings 
had spread far and near. And now let us see what befell little John while these things were happening. This concludes part one of Robin Hood and Guy of Gisborne. We will continue in the next episode of Sound Sleep.